It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. It is currently 10.48, Denmark Standard Time, and that makes it, wait, wait, wait for it, 4.48 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? My laptop just changed to 4.49, but yeah, you're right. Hey, I'll take that. Chaz, how are you, how are you my guy? How have you been? I've been good, man. You know, the, the heat wave in Montreal is still kicking. We get a little rain here and there, but it, it was another hot one today. So just enjoying it, hoping every day, just dripping sweat, working in the, during the days, hoping at night. Nothing else you could ask for in the summer. Up at 5.30 every day. Join join me with the gang. Anyone else who wants to be up at 5 in the morning, come come reach the group. It's a, it's a nice time. The DM the um, man Chazinator. Yeah, I'll, I'll be walking my dog in the morning. You can come reach reach the squad. <laughs> oh, man. Our, our, uh, our Denmark uh, heat stroke has just ended. It is mm. officially cool. I didn't get mm. the memo. I went camping without a... Uh, I went glamping without Ooh. a... Uh, a sweatshirt and I was very cold the whole time. Can get chilly out there on the out there in the forest, I assume, of Denmark or something. Indeed it can. Very it was very nice. It felt like when, like uh like you know when you like go to to a cabin in northern Quebec at someone's <laughs> place and like you look out at the water and it's so large and there's trees everywhere. Mm. It looked just like a Quebec lake. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. That's dope. I had a great time. I had a great I was went to Lego House and uh dude, I, I effing love Legos. <laughs> I did not realize how much I loved Legos until I went back to Lego House. Um, yeah, it's the the king of Legos over there in Denmark. They got, I think, like a museum and stuff. Oh, yeah. They have so much Lego stuff here, man. It's insane. <laughs> um, I could not find any Lego basketball stuff, though. I'm very mad about that. Especially That's what Olympics I should have made. made a basketball hoop. I was making stuff. I should have made a basketball hoop. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Next time. Yeah, yeah. We, get, we, get, we live and we learn. Um... Mm-hmm. So we're coming to you. It's uh, Eve of Game Six. Yeah. Um, game Six tonight. Game Six tonight. We're gonna quickly talk about Game Five. Maybe a little bit about Game Four. Then we're gonna do a Sacramento Kings deep dive, and if we have time, we'll do uh, a Charlotte Hornets deep dive right after. Get y'all mm-hmm. all the content for the off season, and uh, you know we'll go into a much deeper uh, outlook on the playoffs once the playoffs are done. But we're gonna for now we're gonna. Take it one game at a time. Yes, sir. Game five was played a couple days ago. We've had a good amount of time to get stuff going, get some processing going. Mm. Chaz, my question to you. Is Giannis Antetokounmpo, has Giannis Antetokounmpo solidified himself as better than LeBron James? <laughs> I mean, No, uh... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I suck. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. I think Nick Wright said it. I'm like, usually I love Nick, but I'm like, Nick, bro, you're tripping. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been watching the same Giannis that he has that you have, and this is a different player than the two-time MVP. Tell, let me tell you that this mm-hmm. is someone who actually should win an MVP. This is the kind of player that deserves an MVP. Absolutely. This isn't I mean- better than LeBron. <laughs> I had to put it out there. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's definitely played and deserved far more MVPs than he's been given. So for for Giannis to be able to play a little bit at the level of some an award he's already won twice, it's definitely not to, It's something we love to see as NBA fans. We want to see him step up there, and we mentioned it all the way probably, it feels like, back in last 
serious playoffs where you're saying and you were saying how the having the MVP of the league go out in the first or second round of the playoffs is, is really not a good look when promoting the sport as this is the best player in the league. But, hey, I mean, he's definitely proven throughout these playoffs and these finals especially that he's able to take it up to a whole other level. But uh, that game five can't be can't be called anything else but the Drew Holiday game. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely electric from Drew on both ends of the floor, dominating in every facet, offensively and defensively. He was the driving force for that Milwaukee Bucks big three to just go nuts in the second half. Crazy stat I heard: mm. Drew Holiday checked out of the basketball game, and it was um, I think it was sixteen to ten for uh, for the for the Bucks. Mm. And when he checked back in, no, it was sixteen. I think it was like sixteen to ten for the Bucks or something. When he checked back in, it was thirty-two to sixteen for the for the uh, for the Suns. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure the Bucks finished that first quarter on sixteen. So like, I don't... yeah, no, they went at one by the time uh, Drew Holiday had checked back in. Well, once Drew Holiday checked back in, the Bucks proceeded to score eighty points in two mm. quarters. Yeah. Dude, uh, dude just changed everything. I, I, I have not seen Drew Holiday play like that ever. Mm-hmm. The dude was different. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't even have the stat line in front of me, but off the top of my head was what, like 27, 13 assists. I think he had five boards, maybe four. At least one was an offensive, though. Three steals, a block. Like, he was all over the place. And also, one of the things that uh, Mike Breen and, and Jackson and, and Jeff Van Gundy were so poignant on on the call was talking about how Drew Holiday spent most of the first half dealing with Chris Paul, who's been absolutely silent in the last three games of these NBA Finals and really is going to be needed in this Game 6 if the Phoenix is going to survive to a Game 7. But by the time they got to the end of the third quarter, the fourth quarter, and they realized Chris Paul wasn't really in his rhythm, he got the Devin Booker assignment. And, I mean, Book had some foul trouble. I saw how many memes have you seen, do you think, of Devin Booker being the first finals player ever to score 40 and have seven fouls in a game or have eight fouls in a game? Okay, we oh get it. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. We yeah, get it's it. really easy to play that many minutes when you get eight fouls. Like, sh- shut up. <laughs> shut up. It's, all, it's also really easy to just drop 40 in a finals game when you're getting checked by Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Milton all game long, right? So, I mean... And when everyone else decides to forget how to play basketball, let's not let's not forget that. It's mm-hmm. what was it like? I was listening to the Low Post, love the Low Post, and Tim Legler was on talking about how um, a lot of people are getting it twisted right now. There's a big uproar about what he said. He said that if Kawhi was healthy, or Anthony Davis was healthy, or Jamal Murray was healthy, the Suns would not be in the finals right now. And I have said that. Sounds like what you told me like three weeks ago. I have said that meaning to disrespect the Phoenix Suns because they're not an NBA Finals team. He said it more talking about their offseason. And I don't think it's ever been more apparent than it was these last few games where just, wow, it's Devin Booker. It's Devin Booker and like everything just sort of seems to be like the Bucks are like, we just have to like let Devin Booker do what Devin Booker does and pray that everything else goes wrong. And the Suns are still, you know, capitalizing. They're still doing pretty well. Jay Crowder still is hitting those threes. And I, I think this might be the first series that he's ever lost where he's actually hit, like, more than four threes. Not literally, but, like, literally. The dude just, I don't know. When he hits threes, it's, he's, the most, he's the best player in the NBA, apparently. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, 
a lot of what this Phoenix Suns team is they're they're struggling to stay consistent. They're struggling to keep their offense going, and it's hard to blame Book because I mean he was like 17 for 33 in the last game, and 33 shots for anybody is it's a lot of shots. It it's tough. It's tough to get your whole team in rhythm, and especially when guys like Mikel Bridges are perfect from the field until their last shot of the game. And Jay Crowder was hot at the beginning and didn't really see any shots. Like I think Jay Crowder got up two threes in the first two positions of the second half and then didn't shoot again for the entire second half. You know, like there's things like that where you look at Phoenix and you watch back through the tape and you're just like, well, you guys just didn't play the way that you need to play to win games. You know, there needs to be a consistent level of ball movement. Like, Book can go out there and get 40. He can go out there and get 50. And they should probably win when he does that. But one thing that it does is it doesn't allow the other players to get as many touches of the ball. It doesn't let the feel of the ball move. It doesn't skip between players as much. And, and, and I want to move off of this a little bit and just talk about, A, you mentioned Jay Crowder and his shooting. I think Pat Connaughton overtook him for most threes oh, he, in the series so far. He, he did? He did? I missed that. I missed that. Bro, Pat Connaughton. Dude, I clowned that Pat Connaughton contract. I, and I still do. It still was an embarrassment. They signed him to a deal worth $4 million a year, realized they couldn't sign him to that deal through because of cap laws, and then had to sign him to a deal worth double. Yeah. That's embarrassing. I don't care how you want to flip it. I don't care how good he's playing. That is flat out embarrassing. But <laughs> that dude is worth eight million a year for this series. Oh man, oh man, that dude might be worth double. Yeah, no, not literally. Con- but that content's been going crazy. And you're as a businessman. I mean, it's just it does not look great for the Milwaukee Bucks organization when you just can't sign a contract with a player who's obviously coming back. You could have figured out this deal in literally training cap of the year before if you wanted to and had it ready to go signed on the day one somehow you managed to get a wrong contract just doesn't make any sense to me yeah. but pat connaughton's been playing absolutely amazing for this milwaukee bucks team he's been literally the key piece for them on the wing since dante tivincenzo has been down and for for him to come out here and shoot the way he's been shooting out I remember I feel like it was game three or game two where I wanted to come out and I had something in my notes about Pat Connaughton's just taking too many threes. Like, I don't care if he's hitting all of your threes. The fact that Pat Connaughton shot the most three-pointers for the Milwaukee Bucks in, like, game three, I was just like, this is not a recipe for success. I but, don't think you want this to continue. But. 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 But it is. <laughs> I guess he's hitting them and he's locked in. I mean, every single one of those shots looks like a great shot. It looks like Clay Thompson out there right now. It's been... It's been surprising from him. And then the wait, last thing... I, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. Before we move on from Pat Connaughton, I want to put it out there. If I wind up going to law school, the idea is I want to become an agent and then go be an NBA GM. And I want you to know, the reason that I decided I wanted to go to law school is because I watched the Pat Connaughton contract issue happen. And I said, how the heck are people that are so bad at their job that they don't know the contracts of the mm-hmm. CBA getting hired to write contracts? That was an embarrassment. And that's why I want to go to law school. Because obviously the NBA still needs people that know how to read the, con- the collective bargaining agreement and know what contracts you're allowed to offer. I don't know how in a multi-billion dollar business there are people that don't read. But apparently there is spots in the NBA for people who will read. At Milwaukee Bucks, hire me. I will read your contracts. I will read all the CB. I will sit there and just comb it. You'll know every little, I'll know every intricacy. I got you. Yes, sir. John Slokoczewski will get on the CBA. Like, 
like butter on toast, baby. You know, you know I want it to be a little bit uh, PG with what we say around here. But yeah, yep, the last yep. thing I want to say about the about the game five in this series so far is something we said time and time again, and and I honestly don't know if it's gonna happen now or if it just has to happen throughout his career for him to develop. But DeAndre Ayton just needs to put the ball in the basket. And there's a certain point of like, I get that you're so tall that you can jump, catch, and drop the ball in the basket. I'd love you to just take the rim with you next time. Like every single time you go to the rim, it needs to be more physical. It needs to just like, he has to be willing to try to go through people when he dunks. And the block by Tentacumpo in game four, I think it was now, is an all-time block, a great defensive play. Rashad's been yelling about it for how many years now that Giannis needs to be a free safety. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Rashad's getting a lot of slander on Twitter right now and on yes. Instagram because of his Hooper and basketball player talk. And Yeah, and yo, shout out Rashad. He's totally right. He's totally right. Totally right. <laughs> Yo, if anyone comes to me saying Rashad's wrong about anything, you're wrong. He is 100% right right now. But DeAndre Aiden, I mean, he just, I need him. The Phoenix Suns need him. And I hope his team realizes they need him to just be the big body that he is down low. Like, he's 6'11", near 250, 260. He should be able to go up. If you're going to face the contact, face the contact, come crashing to the floor. I get you don't want to get hurt. But there's a certain amount of these alley-oops where you can't just go up and lay it up. Like, I, you can't just go cratch it one-handed and think you're going to finish with finesse. Like, this is the NBA Finals. Someone is going to hit you. There's going to be contact. And, and as a big man in the, the NBA whistle. right now, you're not getting no, the calls. No chance. No chance. No chance. Zero shots. So you got to just go finish through the rim. And then if you go to dunk it and someone smacks both your arms, you might get a foul. But Probably if you not. go to lay it up, you're definitely not getting no the chance. calls. No chance. All right. Um, before we move into the deep dive, who do you have tonight? I mean, I, I got the Phoenix Suns. I think Chris Paul's been too silent for too long. He's got to show up. Game six especially has been his time in multiple series in the past, especially just against the Clippers last game. I expect CP to come out there at 20 and 20 tonight. Like, he needs to be out there doing the best he can do. Uh, clairvoyance. We're posting this, by the way, as soon as we're done recording, Chaz. I'm not sure if I told you. Um, no, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not waiting a day. There's No, we're posting right now. We're posting at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. Okay. Everyone enjoy. Merry Christmas. Um, Happy New Year. <laughs> telling you guys right now, calling it right now, two quick fouls early in the game, maybe even three on both Drew Holiday and Giannis by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> Phoenix Suns win this game pretty handily. Mm. Yeah, I could definitely see a, there's been very few blowouts in this finals. It would make sense that one of these teams were facing a blowout, whether it be the Suns or the Bucks. I don't necessarily expect this game to be close. I uh, definitely have it being a not close win for the Suns. Right, not like a f- blowout, but definitely like a, this game was never out of hand. And any time it was getting out of hand, there was some well-timed, uh, yeah. you know, well-timed uh, buckets and free throws. Exactly. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, let's talk some Sacramento Kings deep dive offseason stuff, man. You know, what's mm-hmm. more fun than the Sacramento Kings? My favorite team in the NBA. Um the Sacramento Kings look poised to have a, I don't want to say very quiet offseason, but it doesn't look like they're going to be having a very loud offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, their uh, poor roster construction has kind of caught them. They don't have a lot of draft picks. They uh, don't have a center, and it looks like they actually messed up two years ago by signing Rashawn Holmes to too short a contract, and now they can't keep him because they messed up. So we're, we're going to go through it. I'm excited. 
Mm-hmm. They have six guys on fully guaranteed contracts. That's Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, DeLon Wright, and Tyrese Halliburton. Five guys on not fully guaranteed contracts that can be waived, and they're only notable. Five guys that are non-fully guaranteed contracts, they can be waived, no, no holds, and their only notable free agent is Rashawn Holmes. Their current payroll is about $103.3 million, not factoring mm-hmm. in, uh, I believe it is... Where is that number? It is four point one million for the uh, number nine pick. So add that on. So it's one hundred and seven point three million, leaving them with about five million in cap space and twenty three million until the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. The number nine pick is their only draft pick, so you don't have to factor in any extra cap after that. I mentioned it. The Rashawn Holmes. I mentioned Rashawn Holmes a few times already. Rashawn Holmes. Might have actually been one of the ten best centers in the NBA last season. I mean, that, that might need to be something we need to, we need to have a talk about. We might need to sit there. There's a, a serious argument to be made that Rashawn Holmes is one of the ten best centers in the NBA, especially for a team that would have made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which um, he was on Sacramento. We uh, uh, we uh, whoa. Needs to be said. <laughs> Hate to say it, but you know it's got to be said. Uh, yeah. Rashawn Holmes was amazing this season. He's looking for a deal worth $20 million a year, and people aren't freaking out. People are like, yeah, it makes sense. Which tells you where the center market is at. But Yeah, and <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, I actually don't hate it. Usually I hate paying centers. I don't necessarily hate paying Rashawn Holmes, and I'll, I'll dive into it in a bit. Uh. He's working at you know, $20 million over for four years. The Sacramento Kings do not have his bird rights. They only have his early bird rights. So they can mm-hmm. sign him to a deal worth 105% of league average, which equates to about $50 million over four years. Very different numbers. It's about $30 million difference. Mm-hmm. The Hornets and Raptors are both teams that uh, will have lots of cap space and absolutely need a center. We went over Toronto's cap stuff last week. They can make that move if they really want to. But... You know, we both don't think it's going to happen for the, at least the $20 million figure. Sean, on the other hand, can sign homes to a $20 million a, dollar a year deal easily and still have money to pay one of Monk and Graham's offseason. Mm. I mean, this Rashawn Holmes, especially after the last year that we saw with him in Sacramento, and you mentioned him for a, a playoff team or a team that's hoping to make the playoffs, that Charlotte fit seems really, really nice. And the way that he's developed his little push shot and his floater game is something is nothing short of amazing. I mean, from where he came into the league to the soft touch he has around the rim now with both hands, left or right, it's just like it's automatic. And mm. in a certain degree, there's shots that players may or fans may look at and be like, "Well, that doesn't look as cool as what other NBA guys are doing." You know, like he's not finishing over or around guys or through guys. But mm. if every single time Rashawn Holmes is going to catch the ball on a dump off pass on a pick and roll. He's going to have two feet of space, and he's 70-plus percent on that little push shot. That's a bucket that your team is going to happily take over and over again. And then defensively, he provides you with a good amount of mobility. He's got good long arms. He knows how to block shots. He's not the biggest center in the world, but... He's big enough. Big enough, and he plays the center position. He's strong. He's he's definitely going to earn himself a lot of looks in this free agency. He's he's probably one of the best PNR big man threats we have in the league. Um, in terms of just like he's got a lot of options on that pick and roll. Like mm-hmm. if you're running a pick and roll with him, there are so many places he can move to. So if you've got a good attacking guard like De'Aaron Fox, Lamelo Ball, Fred Van Vliet, 
who can really get to their spot and make a you know be scary or go inside and be scary just by being you know little guards. Mm-hmm. Having a guy like him is terrifying because he's like he's still six ten with a massive wingspan. Like yes, he's not like catching lobs over dudes and putting dudes on posters every week, mm-hmm. but. If you're not careful, if you leave him open, like they will put it over and he will just put it in Clint Capella style. Absolutely. And a good passer out of the short roll too. Like he's been able yes. for for as little as they have going for them sometimes in Sacramento in their offensive sets and what they do. He finds guys open in the corners or open on the opposite wings when he gets doubled or or he feels like there's too many people in the paint in front of him. So there's a lot of things that Rashawn has done in the past couple of years to improve his game to the point where now he's he's definitely in that conversation of of at some point in this offseason, we're going to have to do a different rankings of every position and and the new positions. And Rashawn Holmes is going to find himself in a in a very high tier of whatever position we decide he actually belongs in. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, now for the Sacramento Kings to sign Rashawn Holmes, they'll need to shed enough salary to get twenty million under the cap. Now, or l- maybe let's say I don't know. Let's let's try to operate with twenty. Let's start with trying to operate for twenty. See how much money they can clear. Mm-hmm. There are two ways to go about it. They have two guys that I've pegged as easy to trade for nothing. Yeah. As in, you can trade them and take nothing back. There's DeLon Wright, who you could easily trade into someone else's cap space. He makes $8 million a year. You'd probably have to attach an asset. Hopefully, mm-hmm. that asset is just Terrence Davis's bird rights or, uh, or um, Jemias Ramsey's bird right. Jemias Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And then you wave a couple of little unguaranteed guys. Uh, you could get to about 15 million in cap space that way, which might be enough if Charlotte decides to go in a different route instead of going for uh, for homes, or if it's the same money, or if you know they want to match or whatever. We'll get a little more into Charlotte's cap space, but Charlotte will be playing with about 15 million, 15.3 million, unless they get rid of one of Monk or Graham, and then they'll have one way more money and be able to totally hit the 22 million and still have a little leftover. Mm. Uh, so the other way to go about making this money is to trade Marvin Bagley into another team's cap space and again wave a few non-guaranteed deals I am very 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 happy to not be the Sacramento Kings GM right now <laughs> obviously you hope tr- you're, you hope trading right would be enough but if hope homes need more money mm-hmm. do you get rid of Bagley for what will likely be nothing like he, he went second overall First overall is in the NBA Finals. Third overall, almost won MVP twice. Fourth overall is Jaron Jackson Jr., who is... I mean, he was wicked good for a season, and now he's injured, but mm-hmm. I, I still maintain he's a future superstar. Book it. And then fifth overall, pick took, fifth overall pick took his team to the uh, Conference Finals. You're looking at a stacked top five, and you're about to just give up on number two. You're looking at you're looking at Darko 2.0 right now and thinking, can you save him? So, Chaz, mm-hmm. what do you do? I mean, first things first. If I'm looking at this Sacramento cap sheet, which I am right now, <laughs> Delon Wright is is the easiest one that I think needs to be gone this off season. I mean, he's a quality NBA guard. Someone is going to want him off the bench somewhere for them. And he's making eight and a half this year. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. So it shouldn't be that any team could take him and cut their losses with him by the trade deadline or by the end of the season if they want to. So that seems like the easiest way for them to make up some money. But I think that Marvin Bagley 
even next year is going to be looking at the RFA. They're going to have to decide if and how much they want to extend him for. Already, his name should definitely be in trade talks. They should see what they can get for him. But I think his value is so low right now in the way that people are talking around him around the league that you have to just run it back one more year with him and hope that he brings something else that he hasn't had yet. Because to be fair, if they do lose Rashawn Holmes, he's like their only option at the big man position until free agency or this offseason. Like, mm-hmm. Unless they go with a guy at nine that they think is really going to fill that role for them, you're going to have Marvin Bagley with like Maybe Chimaze Metu and Damian Jones, both are on non-guaranteed deals right now that have yet to be picked up. So that still could literally be Marvin Backley as the only four or five on the roster going into free agency right now for Sacramento. I think they're really going to try to give it one more year with him. And I think that's a great idea. Personally, I was super high on Marvin Bagley coming out of the league, coming out of the Duke. I think he still has a lot of tremendous potential in the league. He's been put in a really tough situation, obviously. He hasn't really been able to find his footing. He's got a lot of outside influences that seem to change how he, he goes about his day-to-day. I hope that they can just bring in some vets in this offseason because I look up and down this list, you got nobody except for maybe Harrison Barnes, who's really an established NBA player who knows how to get in day in, day out, and the work it takes to become one of the better players in the league. And so I think Marvin Bagley really shows that he needs that type of leadership. He needs a guy that's going to push him every single day. And until they bring that in in Sacramento, I don't think it's going to change much. But for their offseason, I think DeLon Wright needs to be the one they need to move to try to clear up a little bit of money for Rashawn Holmes. Because honestly, I don't think I'm throwing him $20 million. If mm. someone wants to give him 20 you can go give him 20 If you want 16 for four, I'd happily give him 16 for four. Mm. And by giving up DeLon Wright, releasing a couple of these guys, you get Kyle Guy's bird right somewhere <laughs> else. You get Terrence Davis's bird right somewhere else. They mm. can clear up enough money to try and bring him back. But... I think right now for Sacramento, they got a lot of questions that need to be answered. Buddy Heald is someone, too, who's on a declining deal on a long-term contract right now. Could be a very valuable asset for some team. If if someone's ready to give you a, a first or maybe move you up in this draft for Buddy Heald, that's something that they should definitely be looking into. But yeah. for the, You're jumping for the, all over, Chaz. You're moving too I fast am. for me. I wanted to talk about Bagley. You're like, let's go everywhere. I'm like, I wrote so much. Let's do uh... Let's go Bagley. Let's go Bagley. So I'm with you on Bagley. Um, okay. I'm with you on Bagley. A lot of potential. I would be very, very sad if they dumped him for nothing. And I think that you have to sit there and be like, I can't justify paying Rashawn Holmes $20 million if it means having to give up on someone. Like, I, if it, I, I, get, I get it. I get that Bagley has shown almost nothing in the league. I get that he has sucked at sucking. I get that he has been absolute trash. I get it. I don't think he is. I think that there mm-hmm. is a really good... I think there is at least an uh, above-average player in there. I was really high on him before the draft, too. I wish I knew what I knew now about basketball players, so I could have been a little lower on him. But his ceiling is still someone who could be in the league, who could be starting. I watched Willie Cauley-Stein, and I'm like, he's still in the NBA. Why is Marvin? Why are we acting like Marvin Bagley won't be? Mm-hmm. Um Absolutely. And again, yeah, the DeLon Wright, I guess, is just the easiest way to bring up some money. But yeah, I'm with you. Fifty. I, I wouldn't go for 20 on, on homes. I wouldn't love that, mm-hmm. but I'm cool going 15. I'd go 20. I would go 20 if that was my last free agent signing. Yeah. If all the rest, if I was capped out at that point and I was like, all right, I'm already capped. This is like working it all in. This is the best guy I can get. I'd do it like mm-hmm. the Charlotte Hornets can. And we'll talk about them later. Yeah. 
you also mentioned something about going the ninth overall pick, going at the ninth overall pick to go and find someone to replace Rashawn Holmes. Mm. I want to come on here and say the Kings should let Holmes go and draft someone at number nine and have him be the new center. Be like, look, like you know, you, you're not really, you know, get get someone new. Let's get some new blood in the building. The only center, I maybe I have to go through the entire draft again. <laughs> the only center in like the top, I think, twenty five. Yeah. Is is Kai Jones? Mm-hmm. And Evan Mobley. And Evan Mobley. But I, I, I he's not falling to nine. <laughs> he's not falling to nine. Like I don't consider Alperin Sangoon until I see Alperin Sangoon measure in at taller than six foot eight and seven fifths. Yeah. Or the seven, three quarters or whatever. I, I am I'm not calling Sangoon a center until we get his actual height and weight and wingspan. From what I hear right now, he's six nine and he looks six nine. I was watching his tape. I was like, this dude looks this dude looks my height. Like I mean, that's how I how high I have to jump to dunk the basketball. Like yeah. I get you. I, and you know that that does make him appealing to me. I think we have similar hairstyles too. I, I love Sangoon. But uh that's not a center. That's not mm-hmm. a center. I don't see any other centers. Kai Jones is the only center. And nine sounds like it's gonna be a reach for him unless you're incredibly sold on his potential. But even if you are, I, I, the guys that are the most sold on his potential, the guys that will tell you he is a can't-miss prospect, still tell you he won't start year one. Yeah. Still tell you he's not a day-one go-getter. Still tell you that he's going to need a lot of time for work. I don't want to be doing that. I'm going to be honest. I don't want mm-hmm. to be the one. I, I don't see enough in Kai Jones to want to take that risk where I'm the one who could be figuring it out with him i'm like i don't see i don't see i mean i see that there is a route to him being really good i don't see that the route to getting there is with the sacramento kings who have failed to develop every center every big man that they've drafted since demarcus cousins yeah literally cousins was like a number one overall pick almost like a guaranteed gonna be a problem and would still be one of the best centers in the league right now if it wasn't for so many injuries like yeah, so I want to stick to this number nine pick though when we're here, mm-hmm. um, and then we could talk about. Uh, then we'll go back and we'll talk about some of the stuff that they could do if they lose Rashawn Holmes. At number nine, my ninth best overall player is James Booknight. Mm. I have Booknight at number nine. Um, part of me wants to push him higher. A big part of me wants to push him a little higher. A big part of me wants to drop some other players. I really have to sit there and watch a lot more again. But for now, Book Knight is my number nine. And I don't think that the Sacramento Kings can take him. They've already got De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. They've got Terrence Davis's RFA rights. They've got Jemias Ramsey, who I'm incredibly high on. And they've got the lawn right, who apparently they love his fit on the team. They've been raving about him, apparently, and how much they love his fit. You can't have six guards. That's just not an option. No. That's just not, and you can't spend the number ninth pick to go get James Booknight and put him on your bench, Mm-mm. like like that. In my opinion, like like if you're drafting James Booknight, the idea is you're moving on from De'Aaron Fox. In my opinion, maybe you're taking a little bit to feel it out with Booknight, but if you're taking Booknight at number nine, it's because you're like, all right, De'Aaron Fox is not in our future plans. We're doing a reset in our rebuild because we have failed so miserably. We haven't made the playoffs once, but we need to restart. 
That would be embarrassing, by the way. I would feel really bad for Sacramento Kings fans if I knew any. Um, so, for me, I think there's two names that they should be looking at. Mm-hmm. One who I am, we are both higher on than the general populace, and one who you are much lower on, and I am a little bit lower on than the general populace. Moses Moody and Franz Wagner. Mm-hmm. They're they're both very similar and different players. In a lot of ways, they're both really good off-ball shooters. Um, Franz is a lot better cutting than Moody. Moody's just a lot bigger than Franz. Is a lot better in the man-to-man defense. Franz is really good off-ball. I think Moody could get better off-ball, but he's still good off-ball. He's aggressive. They're both aggressive. Yeah. They're both going to be... I think they're both going to be really good players. Um, it's just a matter of who do I think is more likely to push beyond just being a 3 and D player. And I kind of... I might be the only one who sees that more for Moody than I do for Franz. I kind of see Franz as just like, I don't know how he breaks out of that 3 and D mold. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being in the 3 and D mold, by the way. That gets you paid. Absolutely. Handsomely. Handsomely. And a very important piece in the NBA. Like, Look at the Suns. <laughs> Look at the Suns. Look at everyone on the Bucks that isn't uh, that isn't Giannis and Chris Middleton. They're all just 3 and D guys. Andrew Holiday. Um Every wing on the uh, every wing on the Suns is three and D or trying to be three and D. Yeah, like three and D wings are awesome. And this Sacramento Kings was at their absolute best last year, running a lineup of Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Rashawn Holmes. Both Moody and Franz fit that mold of the bigger wing guys who can defend and shoot the ball to space out for Fox and Halliburton and Holmes. I, I think that there should definitely be some trade market exploration for Barnes and Heald. Mm. And having their replacement ready to go is a very good idea, in my opinion. And I think that that could be either Moody or Franz. Whichever one falls to ten, to nine, I don't think they both will fall to nine. That should yeah. be their pick. Yeah, no, I, I love Moses Moody with this pick here, if he can get there to nine. I think, obviously, the way you, you, what you just mentioned, you know, how they go with their run and gun, and to provide them another just incredible amount of length and shooting on the wing alongside De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, I mean... If you run those two out there, you could still put Buddy Heald out there if Moses Moody's on the floor because I think that's enough defense just from De'Aaron Fox and <laughs> Moses alone. And having a guy like Harrison Barnes, who I think could be a good, a really good mentor for Moses Moody and really show him a lot of what it takes to, to be a young guy on a team that's on the way up or that wants to be on the way up and how he was with the Golden State Warriors and just off the wing, just attacking every time he has the ball, being aggressive, staying aggressive. And, and now Harrison, as he's grown older and gotten some time with Team USA and played on multiple different rosters. He's talked about a lot last year as a small ball five for the Celtics. So I think having him out there with Moses can really show him a lot of different things he can do in the NBA. And then Harrison Barnes only has one more year on his contract after this year too. So it's mm. it gives you a, a good time in this whole season if you want to keep Harrison Barnes along with Moses and everyone else and let them develop together. Or if at the trade deadline you're like, you know what? Let's just burn it down, lose some more games so we can tank for a, for a Chet Holmgren, for a, a Victor Wembanyama. Then you hey, can he's go the down year there. after. He's the year after. Let's not jump too far. <laughs> then you can go go and do that with Harrison Barnes because I think he'll still be a sought-after commodity, especially with a, a decrease in contract and then one year until free agency. But, yeah, I mm-hmm. think with this ninth overall pick, I could also see them trading this. Like, I, I think Sacramento definitely should want to draft and they should want to go get someone. But like you said, we're just – with such a guard-heavy draft class in the sense and, and goals and goal scores, bucket getters, and, and ball-dominant guys, if they're stuck on a board where it's just like 
somehow they have book night davian mitchell and like i can't even tell you who else is still there at nine you you go down to like 11 or 12 try to pick up a couple future assets and just be care be cool with who you have down there like this is a team i could see slowly moving down the boards on draft night just to try to accumulate new assets or at least that's what i hope they would do in terms of trying to retool better but it's sacramento so you never really know yeah i mean like if uh if say the indiana pacers would do uh 13 and like um 13 and sabonis for like nine in barnes like mm. do you say Take no heartbeat yeah do you say no like like <laughs> even like if it's just going down to like memphis doing like jv and 17 for barnes and uh for barnes and nine something mm-hmm. like that uh i'm just making this up on the spot i'm just looking at it right now yeah, um, i mean there's Mm-hmm. That's we got a lot more time to find something for real. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think they should do that, but I don't think they will. I'll put it out there. <laughs> I also like at num at number nine. I don't know. I don't know. The Sacramento Kings team is just built so weird for me. I don't know what their expectations are for next year. That's my issue in when I was writing this deep dive. Because mm-hmm. I look at a team of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heels. Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Mark Marcus Bagley, Mar- Marvin Bagley off the bench, number ninth overall pick off the bench, Dolan right off the bench. What are they doing? Yeah, that's not better than eight teams in the in the West. That's not better than the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. No, that's that's not making the playoffs in the West again. And I think one thing that we just saw with the play-in tournament, which will be back for next season, is. You don't. Why are you fighting for ten? Look at the Raptors who stopped fighting for ten and got the fourth overall pick. Yep. Look at the Spurs who now are drafting twelfth. They got the tenth overall pick and got smacked. Mm-hmm. Who was the tenth in the East? Even I don't even remember. The, the Hornets. They got smacked. Yeah. It's like, oh, sweet. Good thing we got to get that extra game. Now the now the now the Raptors get to draft fourth overall, and they're gonna get Jalen <laughs> Suggs or something. Yeah, so, I mean this. Yeah, yeah. The Sacramento team—they—they've been missing direction. It feels like for a good amount of time, and and it can't—it can't go without saying that a certain amount of this, especially with such a young roster, it, it's got to come from the top down. Like, I—I I don't know. I didn't have enough time to do enough research for this episode, so I can't sit here and name everyone in the Sacramento King front office and organization. <laughs> but, but literally from the owner and president down through the GM, through the president of players association through all their stuff their head coaches their assistant coaches their head trainers there needs to be a a shift in mentality of just how we're going to approach the game how we're going to approach being professionals and and what this team wants to do because it does seem like they're just wayward every season like they compete but they're not really ever going to win and now they're just going to end up as a bottom five team in the west at the end of the year every year and draft like between eight and 12 and never get a star player and it's just Mm. it's a perpetual cycle of okay, you need to switch up some of the influences that are in this building because clearly nothing is going right for you right now. Like there's no slow process. There's no build towards it's doesn't, there's no end goal. Like, okay, by 2026, we're going to be a top four team in the West. It's just hopefully De'Aaron Fox becomes the best guard in the NBA, you know, like it's, and it's not a way to, to build a constructive and winning team in the NBA, especially not now when there's, there's so much talent and so many just, genius executives all over the league assembling teams hey hire me i'll get you a i'll get you a plan 
I got you, Sacramento. The hero Take you need. Look. The hero you need, not the hero you deserve. Take a look at the our golden triangle stuff if you want just some basic of uh, how you might want to restructure your team building for this offseason. So I'm burning it down and starting from the bottom, honestly, if it was me. Um, <laughs> but that's also, you know, you get hired as a GM. That's the only way to go about it. You take you pick up a bad team. You got to start from nothing. Which, mm-hmm. speaking of which, they have a new GM. Okay. They have a new GM. Vivek is, uh, no, Vladi Divac is gone, which does make it a little, I forgot to mention, that does make it a little more likely that they just dump Bagley. It's not his mistake. Yeah, but, it's not his mistake. But for me, I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't give up on that. And I don't know that I need to give up on it to pay Rashawn Holmes twenty million for eight year for four years, cap myself out, and not be able to pick up some bad contracts to pick up some extra assets when it's very clear that my team is not making the playoffs. So what do I do now that I don't have Rashawn Holmes? <laughs> that was a better segue than I thought it would be. Uh, I'm gonna say it. You throw the bag on Nolan's Noel. Not as good a shooter as Holmes, but he is more than serviceable at defense. Just as good as him, in my opinion. He's doing great with the lobs and stuff. He was amazing in New York. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Another guy I'd look at, Montrez Harrell. Mm. The Kings already had the worst defense last season in the league by a long shot. For a little while, it was the worst defense of all time. Yep. Is it really going to get that much worse? Like... <sighs> Is it? Can it really get worse? Is that possible? Like Harold tries. Is it really worse? Mm-hmm. Um, the next real name I'd look at. Maybe you offer sheet Mitch Robinson with all your cap space. Um, maybe you can pay uh, Daniel Tice more than other teams. Uh, I think you can get a little more. I think you can. You can't really. <sighs> <laughs> You can't, you could really put, you could give him a full MLE. You could get Daniel Tice probably if you give him a full four-year MLE. Um, mm. Maybe Ed Davis, maybe Tony Bradley. I, the last guy I'll say is Gorgie Jeng, who I think is going to be very underrated in this uh, offseason, the same way that he was underrated at the uh, buyout deadline. Like if anyone had some money, they should have given him a real contract at that point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Chaz, last things before we move on from them. What do you expect from this franchise next year? I mean, the the Sacramento Kings answer in me wants to say a failure to resign Rashawn Holmes, a decision midway through the season to trade Marvin Bagley because you're not going to pay him, a terrible trade for Marvin Bagley. You bring in like another guard and probably some seconds, and then just uh, probably trading away De'Aaron Fox in two years. But... Oh. Honestly, for this the Sacramento Dude. Kings team, I I hope that they just bottom out maybe one or two years and just try to really go get someone. Like you mentioned, all these guys in free agency, Nerlens Noel, Daniel Tice, like they're all good pickups. The guys that can help the team, but anyone who slightly wants more money than the Kings want to give them, I think they should just be saying no to. Like sit on your cap space until you have some real money in free agency to try to go get somebody. Because I get it, it's Sacramento, but you are in California. So, like, there's a certain amount of guys will come to California. And then if you can just overpay the crap out of somebody because they don't have any other offers worth what you're offering them, then that's what they're going to have to do. So, for this upcoming season, I I hope De'Aaron Fox has an all-defensive type season. I think that's what they're going to want from him. 
Tyrese Halliburton is going to need to come out here and fix his jump shot a little bit because as much as I love what Reese did in his first season, that jump shot is not going to last in the NBA, in my opinion. It's just too slow, and it's too in front of him. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's right there. Like, it's for long, strong guys, that's going to be an easy stop, easy steal. But I, I don't expect much from the Sacramento team. Hopefully, honestly, for them, they they want to be bottom three next year. Like, they, they need a good shot at the lottery top four. Mm-hmm. And if they end up getting dropped out of the lottery next season, well, then the basketball gods just really weren't on your side. But for me in Sacramento, I, I can't expect to see much. I do want to see some some Jameis, Jameis Ramsey minutes. Mm-hmm. If he can finally get off that bench for them, because he got very, very little PT. And I think he's someone who's going to bring a lot of energy for them. They just need some some fire from somebody. Like They need a couple players to come in and really just set the tone for them so that they can have intensity to how they play. Because they play good games, like Sacramento 127-124 in every other game, but it's it's just not ever going to translate to winning playoff basketball. And mm-hmm. for, the, for the time being, if that's what you're trying to build, that's not what you're building towards in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. What about you, John? What do you, what do you see for this team in the future? Next season, three years, five years? You know, like I want to, I want to be funny and say, "Oh, the worst," but I, I think if they bring back Rashawn Holmes, run it back, get everyone back, spend the ninth overall pick on a good player like like Franz or Moody, you know, set up for a real good season. Keep Delon Wright as the bench. You know, maybe you probably have to dump Delon Wright, make Jemias your bench guy. Because De'Aaron Fox is a vet at this point. He's on his second contract. He's a vet, okay? He's not a rookie. He's not a he's he's a young player, but like how old is he exactly? Hold on, let me see this. He's like twenty-four. Um He's twenty-three turning twenty-four this season, I think. Wow. Well when you've been through all the all the crap that he's been through, you age you age at double speed, so he's thirty in my book. Your starting point guard is thirty. Um Lonzo Ball a vet too? Uh, yes, honestly, he's being treated like it. He's being treated like it. They've been through a lot of garbage, these guys. They're basically 40. Um, but my basically 40-year-old uh, Darren Fox, I, look, I know that having three guards as your young, three young guards in your as your guard rotation is risky. Sucks. I don't care. Yeah, I think that's what you gotta do. But you do all that, you get everything running. You got a good top eight guys. You know, you got Marvin Bagley figuring out that, you know, maybe Luke finally finds a way to use him as a backup five. Um, you know, catching lobs, running some good rim running stuff, running up and down the floor hard, using his speed and bouncing abilities to get cool blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately being a backup five and just a backup five. That is the only position you can play him at. Please stop trying to make him a four. Please, it just I don't I don't know why that's an idea that you guys think of. Like let him run him at the backup off. five to develop into a real five. I think he could be if you let him develop, but he needs to actually just sit down and be like, you're a five. Stop trying to make him a four. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You run all that. I think that this team could have a great, great job at being the 10th seed and getting their butt whooped by whoever wins the nine. Just mm. absolutely whooped because that's what the 10th seed gets you. I, I think that it is saying, okay, maybe we have to let Rashawn Holmes go. And I'd say, oh, you could sign and trade him. You can't. Other teams can pay him more than you. Let let Buddy Heald start to expire. If you can dump him for something, uh, mm-hmm. or something that'll help you with, uh, you know, covering costs with dropping costs, do it. Harrison Barnes, if you can trade him for some first and some expiring money, do it. It's yeah. time to just play the offer sheet game. 
Mm-hmm. It's tight. John Collins should be getting a max offer from the Sacramento Kings. Absolutely. The Sacramento Kings don't have the money to. They're, they're, it's time to just commit to being, we're going to offer sheet guys for a few years, bring in some ragtag guys, win some games, make the playoffs. Like I know like everyone makes jokes on only making the playoffs once. They haven't made the playoffs in like 14 years, 16 yeah. years. There's a, like almost two generations of NBA fans now who have never seen a Sacramento Kings playoff game. There have been players that have had whole careers that have retired without having seen a Sacramento Kings playoff game. Start of their career to the end. Like, yeah. And they've had real careers. Like 10 plus years in the league. <laughs> 10 plus years in the league did not see one. Aaron Aflalo did not see one Sacramento Kings playoff game. Monte Ellis, not one Sacramento Kings playoff game. Brandon Jennings, not one. It's a, it's a sad reality. The last thing I want to say before we get out of here is Sacramento. And, and I don't want to harp on him too bad because I know you, you have been a fan of his in the past. And I just have to say, how much longer has Luke got? How much longer can Luke be there and they let I, that happen? Like, I thought it was over. I thought it was, I thought it was over. I really like, and I love Luke. I thought it was over. I thought, I thought there was no way he was coming back after this season. And here he is back. Yeah, it's incredible. It's 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 incredible his ability to not get fired. It's a very it's a really underrated. Uh, yeah, I don't know uh, what he's doing in that locker room, but clearly something they like. Hey, <laughs> big ups, men like Luke. Keep it up. Keep collecting checks. Uh, we yes, are sir. going to take a five minute break, and then we will be back to you with a Charlotte Hornets deep dive. All right, we're back. Uh, we just finished up our little bit of Sacramento Kings, and we're here to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, look, the connection is obvious. Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. Rashawn Holmes is the connection. Let's go through that situation. Let's go explain the money and see how we can do it. The Hornets have $81.5 million on their books with the current contracts. Their 11th overall pick will add $3.5 million. Monk has a $7 million qualifying offer that I imagine they're going to give him. Graham has a $4.7 million qualifying offer that he will definitely be given. Mm-hmm. All that add together as the Hornets going into free agency with $85 million in salary and $96.7 with the cap with the cap holds. The salary cap is 112, luxury tax 136.6. So the Hornets will have $15.3 million to work with before having to renounce either Monk or Graham, and $27 million if they renounce both of them. Mm-hmm. Now the Hornets roster is actually pretty good. You got three, you got a ton of really good guards, you know, Monk, Ball, Graham. Rogier, Rogier was almost an all-star. Yeah. Uh, you got good wings. PJ Washington's like a four-five. Miles, uh, Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. You don't have any fives whatsoever. You had Cody Zeller at sixteen million for some reason, and yeah. Bismarck Biombo last year. And that's why everyone's linking them to Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. The. Uh, Hold up. Uh, and also, for as I mentioned, everyone's pretty young. Like, Rogier's 27, Hayward's 31, but Washington, Miles, and Bridges are 22, 23. Washington, Bridges, and LeBall, sorry, are 22, 23, and 19, respectively. Mm-hmm. This isn't a team that's trying to compete right now, but they should be making the playoffs next season. They need that center. Yes, sir. They really just, like, they had no back line of protection. They either had to run Bismarck, which meant they had no offense, or Zeller, which means they had no defense. Yes. This draft really sucks for centers. Mm-hmm. Again, even if you believe in Kai Jones, 
not someone that people think will start right away. Sengun, until I hear his measurements, he's a four in my book. The number one target should definitely, without a question, be Rashawn Holmes. He's 27. We, we've been over it. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yep. We love what he can do on this team. You got 15 million, no question, you could give him for over four years. You go give him a, a 15 million, 60 over four right away. No question, no, no needing to do anything, no worries at all. Mm. If you pull Monk, who could be pulled, could be pulled, you easily have 20. You have well over 20. You have well over 20 by pulling Monk. Mm-hmm. I also am sitting there thinking I did the math wrong. Uh, I might need to go over that later. Whatever. Yeah, I totally did. Hold up. I mean, for, for yeah, you want to talk for a second while I do this math again? All good. For what I'm, for what I'm, what I'm seeing with the Charlotte Hornets team is, is I love where the direction they're headed in. I think they have a lot of great pieces that they can work with this offseason. A lot of things they have to do. One of the things that they're definitely going to look at is the their cast space and their extensions. They have a lot of guys coming up next year and the year after that are going to be looking for rookie extensions or on their unrestricted extensions. So this offseason, I think they're definitely going to try to make the most of their cast space in going after a guy like Rashawn Holmes. And if they can't get Rashawn Holmes, honestly, I'll have to look through the free agents again. But I expect the Charlotte Hornets team to be very active. I look at a guy like Terry Rogier right now, who's making almost $18 million this year and is an unrestricted next year, who I wouldn't really expect to be back in the Charlotte Hornets future I plans. Would. I would. Next to LaMelo Ball? Yeah. For the foreseeable future? For the when foreseeable future. That backcourt had some crazy good net rating. I don't have the number in front of me, but they played really well together, and I thought they kind of helped each other's strength in that Rozier was a great ISO scorer to go with Ball, who is not the world's best ISO scorer. is more great at running it in transition, mm-hmm. waiting until there's a little bit of chaos, getting the ball and driving and finding someone, making the, making those crazy passes he does. He's not someone you want just <coughs> stopping at the top of the key, calling the game down, Calling over his man, calling over the screen, attacking the attacking. Mm-hmm. I think Rozier fits really well next to that, and he's aggressive as a defender, just an aggressive player, and shot the heck out of yeah. the ball. I thought his fit next to Lamelo was honestly great, which is why I'm okay with them overpaying for Rashawn Holmes because everything I hear is they're ready to pay Rozier again, mm. and Rozier is going to get money. Yes, sir. Is he going to get a max? No, I don't think so. But uh, does a four-year, $20 million a year sound out of the picture? Not at all. For someone who's nearly an all-star, not at all. Would I rather be paying Terry Rozier than Dennis Schroeder? 100%. Would I rather be paying Terry Rozier than Jordan Clarkson? 100%. Mm-hmm. All that's to say is I imagine he's back. Also, forgot to say, all my numbers were right. I was. I don't know why I was struggling with that. But I do want to talk about some backup options, and it's the exact same guys. Neuro's Noel, and Harold, Tice, Davis, Bradley, offer sheeting Mitchell Robinson. They could probably get... They, if any team is going to poach Mitchell Robinson, this is a the team to look out for for poaching him. Mm-hmm. They can give him a great $15 million, They can give him a $15 million deal on the first day of free agency once, well, once free agency opens, once they lose homes. Yeah. And yes, they'll have to wait three days with their money tied up, but then the, the, the Knicks will have to actually make a decision on keeping him or not. Mm-hmm. Worth something. 
the option that I'd actually be looking for a lot more interesting at is I actually really just think they should pull this monk qualifying offer unless he signs it right away. I, I, I don't think that you need Malik Monk that badly. I, I just don't think his value is anything that like, yeah, and I'm going to give him over $10 million a year, and I don't think he's going to want to sign uh, the 15 over 3 or a 5 over t- a 10 over 2. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of offer he's going to get. I'm not, and I'm not tripping. Like, yes, you don't want to lose an asset for nothing. Maybe you try and figure out whatever team wants him. You could set up a sign and trade. I wouldn't be scared to lose him. At that point, you have a lot of cap space. Mm-hmm. You could use a lot of that money, go get two real centers. You could go bring in here. My my dream scenario would be getting, say, Nerlens Noel and da- Daniel Tice. Mm. You have two guys that can do stuff differently. So you've got Noel. Both are great defenders on the inside. And switching. Noel's better on the inside. Tice better at switching, but they're both good at the other thing too. Tice yeah. is really dangerous because he can he's a good enough shooter in the mm-hmm. pick and roll. While Noel is so long and tall and athletic, he's gonna he can he's a threat to jump right over you. There's a there's a lot of like real mm-hmm. interestingness to go with having two options at center like that. Kind of like just taking the Cody Zeller Bismarck Biombo duo and putting it on steroids. And this Charlotte Hornets team was good enough with that Cody Zeller, Bismarck, Biombo duo. Maybe putting it on steroids is the right move. But the yeah. other option that I really like, what if you just get one five? What if you just get like Noel or 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 Tice or or Harrell or something, mm-hmm. and then try to have PJ Washington play the backup five, mm-hmm. and get a big four to go next to him. Mm-hmm. There's two names that I looked at. Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk. We know Charlotte loves their big white guys. Yep. He's better than casuals realize as a role man. He is dangerous. Mm-hmm. The dude is actually just really good at basketball. And Straight up. Straight people up forget it. On the court. Like, people just forget. People just think that he's some silly, goofy-looking white dude. People think he's Myers Leonard. Um, people, don't, people don't realize that Kelly Olynyk is the Canadian Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Kelly Olynyk is what is what Memphis Grizzlies fans think Brandon Clark is. <laughs> I say as a Brandon Clark believer. Um, and there's one more guy that I looked at that I tabbed, mm. and it's a weird guy to pick because he's already getting paid by the Charlotte Hornets, but he isn't on their team. Nick Batum would be a great four next to PJ Washington at the five. Mm-hmm. He can man up against man up on guys PJ can't. He's a great box out guy. He was really good at guarding fives, like really good. So having that next to PJ, who is a lot more comfortable guarding fours, could work really, really well. Having PJ's length still to be like the de facto like rim protector stuff and doing the five guy stuff on offense. Having Nick Batum to kind of be the big uh, locking up whoever's bigger. See if you can play the tempo up a bit. I like those options. I think those are three really good options for the. Uh, for the for the Charlotte Hornets. Although I will say, just getting Rashawn Holmes, who is the best of the bunch, mm-hmm. is their best bet and is the best thing to do in my opinion. But but I think they've got a lot of really good backups. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I agree. It was something I wanted to talk about for sure when talking about their five position. Is they definitely had PJ playing a lot of small ball five last up last year, and he he doesn't look bad at it. Obviously, he can space the floor quite well. 
He's got a good amount of size. He knows how to roll it to the rim and attack the paint. But like you mentioned, he doesn't really defend the five. So mm. they will need to bring in someone like that. Uh, I'll say for what it's worth, they do have two young centers on the roster who are recent draft picks. I don't anticipate either of them really getting any minutes or making any waves in this season. But Nick Richards and Vernon Carey Jr. are both on roster, are both technically centers, and are both guys who the Charlotte Hornets have drafted in the past couple drafts. So you would think if they went out of their way to take them, I know Vernon Carey was a first. I think Nick might have been a second. But either way, a first-round pick for Vernon Carey Jr., you would expect him to at some point get playing time for your team. So if that's this season or if that's next season, I would expect him to be on the roster a little bit more. And in terms of P.J. Washington at the five, I know Miles Bridges isn't going to help as much with fives, but he is a really strong guy who plays the three, who's played the four for them, who goes small ball lineup with him and P.J. as their forwards, has done it really well, especially with LaMelo on the floor. And and I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, Rosier, LaMelo, Hayward, Bridges, Washington. Like, that's a five that they run out there pretty confidently and pretty consistently. And it's something that... Struck my eye with TJ with uh, TJ Rogier with uh, Terry Rogier when when talking about him and Lamella was just a little bit of a worry of the defense in that backcourt and it does just strike me up and down this roster is they don't really have a big body or, or, or known lockdown defender and don't don't think that that's the easiest thing to find in the NBA obviously but they they should be definitely looking at someone who can come in and anchor their defense somewhat and if that's Rashawn Holmes or if that's Nerlens Noel or if that's Mitchell Robinson, they they definitely want to find someone who can go and provide them with just some strength and security at the back end. Mm, definitely well said. Um, and hey, maybe it's Vernon Carey. I mean, Vernon Carey, he went, He actually was a second-round pick. He was number 32. I liked Vernon Carey a lot. Mm. <laughs> and that's my, my argument against going for the double centers route. But I think it's very clear that they know they're going to be going after a center. They are not trusting in Vernon to take over next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? The, hmm? the Martin Twins are back yet because I, I think their deals are both non-guaranteed for this year. Both are non-guaranteed. One of them is way worse than the other, and I can never remember which one it is. It's really frustrating. I mean, they don't do themselves any favor by being literally just – the next Morris twins right now, like, and they wear what? Doesn't one wear like five, and the other one where he's like wears fifty five or something? No, I think it's like uh, ten and eleven actually. Oh my god, it's so rough. <laughs> it's not any better. Like, nope, that doesn't help whatsoever. But they're guys who've played. They they're high energy guys. They play intense minutes for them at the three or at the four often in their bench lineups. And not that they're either of them have really shown a lot in the NBA, but. They both get up and down the floor really hard. They defend hard. So there are options for them if they don't end up ever bringing in a four to play defense. There's mm-hmm. another couple guys who they can just throw out there to try to battle against some of the other bigs in the league and take some fouls. So one thing that you mentioned is bringing in you know a four to play some defense. I They have the number 11 overall pick. Mm-hmm. My mock, I have them taking Zaire Williams because... I just think that they need to take a boom, a perennial, and they need to take a boom player. Yeah. They need to look for a boom. They need to take a Zaire Williams. They need to take a a, a Sengun. <laughs> um, I wouldn't love Book Knight again for this team just because he's not going to have an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and like I just think Book Knight needs an opportunity when he shows up. But hear me out. Hear me out. 
what if they're the team that trades back with OKC? Mm. OKC has 16 and 18. I bet they would be happy to trade up to 11 because yeah. OKC has so many young players already. You cannot, Might you can take two guys at 16 and 18, but I think it's time to jump up to a jump up if you can. You move up five draft spots. You go from your first pick. The Hornets would pick up 16 and 18. It would let them take a shot on one guy who I really like, mm. Usman so, Garuba. That boy out of Real Madrid. Usman Garuba, I think, would be the perfect fit for this team. Mm. I mean, maybe you just reach and take him at 11. But I think a guy like Usman Garuba, if you could go get up to 16 to go get him, having his defensive lockdownness, yeah, allows just so many more raw, like lineup constructions, especially with a team like this, where you already have a guy like PJ who can be the long center for you on mm. offense. But he can also be outside, so Garuba could be doing inside stuff. You could have Garuba be the four. You could have Garuba guard basically anyone. It just gives you so much lineup flexibility on a team that already has a lot of lineup flexibility. There's no reason you can't play LaMelo, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, whatever center they have. There's no reason you can't be doing that on this roster already. Adding a guy like Usman Garuba, who kind of strikes me as a Bruce Brown type, Mm. in that he's like a hybrid post. I think he's going to need to develop a little more on his offense, but he's just going to be like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to defend, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to get rebounds, I'm going to do what I need. Yep. I think Garuba could be that. I think he'd be huge for them. So I think mm -hmm. the trade down to still be able to get Garuba would be awesome. And then either at 16 or 18, depending on what you hear of the Grizzlies, I, I think the Grizzlies don't pass on Chris Duarte if he's available. You could pick up a Jaden Springer... Uh, you could pick up a Jalen Johnson. I don't think you draft two bigs actually. Mm. Uh, you could pick up, um, you know, Trey Murphy's shooting up draft boards. Maybe uh, Keon Johnson falls. Mm -hmm. There's uh, a lot of opportunities at that uh, number uh, eighteen. Absolutely. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth as soon as you talked about trading down or getting in a big four. I knew it was going to be Usman, and he's showing a lot of promises in Europe right now, and he's someone who I think can obviously come into this team and be really great. I think that that lineup that you mentioned, I just want to highlight that Lamelo, Hayward, Bridges, and uh, PJ Washington. I'm pretty sure that's a six eight and above across the board right there. That's something. I think in the Bridges NBA is the shortest guy on that lineup. Literally, and jumps like 50 inches in the air. So it doesn't really matter how short he is. <laughs> Put Garuba in as the last guy on that. It's like, oh, wow. And who cares where we're like defense? Defense is just going to happen. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> And who cares? Switch. Like, <laughs> who cares? All right, Garuba, you have to guard the one because there isn't a really good five. So PJ will guard the five. And oh, no, the, the five is like short and tough. You know, oh, we're playing the Warriors. All right, maybe we'll have like, let's have Some like Miles. <laughs> we'll have like Miles guarding Draymond and we'll have, uh, PJ guarding Andrew Wig Aaron Wiggins, whatever the Wiggins is. Andrew Wiggins, damn, there's too many Wiggins. Draft is messing me up. Too much draft talk for me. Uh, Usman Garuba will guard Steph Curry at the point of attack. We're gonna have Lamelo yeah. on Clay. There's gonna be some fun defense that could happen with that lineup, and none of it would be bad. None of it would be stuff that I'd be looking at like, yeah, this is a horrible idea, and we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to mention about the Hornets before we get out of here, we talked about the Monk qualifying offer. I also don't really think they give that to him, especially if they have someone lined up for that money. As soon as they find a better reason to spend $7 million, they will happily do it. Hold. And then, uh, yeah, last last but not least, 
Former almost missed most improved. Did he win most improved? I never even remember anymore. Vontae Graham. Yeah. On the um, qualifying offer, like four and a half million. Should be back, but he's definitely gonna want a real contract. Like <laughs> I'd go up to four years sixty. Four sixty? Maybe maybe a little less. I I probably like a little more than what Jordan Clarkson got. Not because he's better than Jordan Clarkson, but just because, you know, markets grow, cap grows. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'd be comfortable with it. I wouldn't be in love with it. But I'd be like, you know what? Maybe, maybe you give him the same. I think it's four year 51 that Clarkson got and you get away with that. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I'd go all the way up to four years 60 before I'm like, yeah, this isn't great. Like at four years 60, I'd be like, uh, but like up to there, I'd be like, yeah, this looks like a fine deal. So would you rather have Rashawn with Vontae on the team or would you rather have Vontae gone but have Rashawn and Daniel Tice? Definitely would rather have um, Rashawn and um, Rashawn and Vontae. I love Daniel Tice. Okay. Love my man Daniel Tice. But you know what? Like, you got to give Vernon Carey an opportunity, in my opinion. Mm. And you got to give P.J. Washington a chance, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm and whether it's, getting, whether it's getting a big four or drafting a big four to put next to P.J. when he's at the five, because there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it works. Yeah. You, I, I think that there's a way to turn, to make PJ be that second five for you and like be, and Vernon Carey be the second five for you. Like I, I you gotta rely a little bit on your development team and Vernon Carey looked like a, looked awesome at uh, Duke. I think you gotta give him a chance. Absolutely. So, All right. uh, Michael, cl- when, Mike, Michael, if you're listening to this, just send the shoot us a DM when you trade your 11 to 16 and, and draft Garuba so that we can know that you are you're paying attention. All right, shout out to MJ. Shout out to MJ. <laughs> I'll tell Noah to talk to him next time he's at whatever, wherever it was that he met MJ that one time. There you go. Uh, last question. Last question before we leave. Expectations for the Charlotte Hornets. I think you the Charlotte Hornets. We have five minutes, so. Yeah. Charlotte Hornets should want to be a, a playoff team. Like, not play in. They should want to be a top six in the East. And that's going to be dependent on a lot of other teams' off seasons. Obviously, you're going to look at like the Sixers, Bucks, Nets. You pretty much expect in that top three, and then after that, whatever happens with the Celtics and the Raptors and the Heat. But I think the Charlotte Hornets team should be fighting for that four, five, six, especially with Lamelo Ball playing as well as he did last year. I think he's going to be coming out and trying to have an absolutely outstanding season. Uh, I hope that this team is doing great things. James Borrego got a lot, a lot, a lot of slander his first couple years with this team. And then all of a sudden they start doing well and everyone's calling James Borrego a, a top 10 coach in the league. Let's just let's just stay consistent. He was never terrible. His team wasn't great. Now his team's better. He's clearly better at getting along with younger guys and, and they look really good. So I expect a, a LaMelo ball, hopefully... There's no, no accolades he could really win this year, obviously, in his second year. But I think he's going to have like a 20-plus point-per-game season where he's really doing something for them. And then Terry Rozier could be out the door for me. I, obviously, the Charlotte Hornets think want to keep him around. Mm-hmm. I personally think they could use a better defensive backcourt mate next to LaMelo Ball. And so with his unrestricted next season, I think there's a chance that depending on what his contract talk during the season is, if they don't want to give him 25-plus a year... Then, then he could be out the door for valuable assets at the trade deadline. Terrence Mann, mm-hmm. Terrence Mann, 
Yeah. And the right to swap 2027 first round picks with the LA Clippers. Mm. And Patrick Beverly for Terry Rozier. Thoughts? Look, if you're not going to pay him, I'd do it in a heartbeat because I yep. think Terrence Mann could be huge for this team. And I think Patrick Beverly can provide them the six minutes and seven fouls that they need. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'm with you on that one. I just thought of it and I like it. Um, what about you? If they Hornets don't want to keep season? Terry. Huh? Hornets next season? Future? What do you what do you think for this team? I think that they're going to be good next season. I think they were good this year and then LaMelo got injured. And I love LaMelo. I, lo- I think the world's gone. Okay, no. I love LaMelo. I'm not doing the same thing I did with Zion, but hear me out. The world is losing their mind on him. The world is way too high on him. He's great. He is not the second coming of Jesus. He is not a better player right now than Shai Gilgis-Alexander. He is not better than Trey Young. He's not better than all these guys. He is not on the same level as Luka. He is not already one of the best young players on the planet. He still has a long way to go. I still would take Cade Cunningham over him. Let's chill. He's still awesome. He's yep. awesome, and he's going to have a great season. Mm-hmm. I am still into the Terry Rozier pairing, but if I see Monk coming back on like a significant deal and Graham back on a significant deal, I imagine Rozier will be gone. Yeah. But I'm ready to see this year be good, and I'm hoping this team can just keep growing. I think that their future is really uh, looking pretty good. I do think that they need another like three-level type player. Mm-hmm. add to their core i mean right now they got hayward but i don't know how long he's gonna be kicking at that almost three level player level yeah and maybe pushing pj and miles a bit more on that defense and switching stuff i think there's a real chance that this team could get something some triangle stuff going and maybe get some dubs going yeah the last thing i want to say because i just noticed it is that gordon hayward's 31 and a half million dollar contract expires the same season that Lamelo ball is due for his restricting qualifying offer and I think the Hornets could not be more happy about that is the fact that they both hit free agency at the same time. You can let Gordon leave or re-sign him, and you'll have LaMelo on his new deal. They, they are poised for a very bright future in the next uh, five to ten years, I think, in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Whether they get Rashawn Holmes or not, yeah, they will need a center. That cannot be forgotten. They will need a defensive piece at the center position. <laughs> All right, let's close it down. It's been awesome. Thank you to all the listeners for check, for tuning in, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, new episodes coming whenever new episodes come. This one's coming Tuesday at about 6.30. Love you guys. Yeah. Please keep liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. And until next time, this has been Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.